When you think about TV shows and where they're filmed, usually I think about Vancouver or LA, maybe New York. When it comes to international shows, it can be anywhere. But when you're talking about a Netflix produced show, usually they like to go to the source. So this show, Lupin, which just dropped, 2021, it's kind of like Sherlock. It's based on a bunch of books. Yeah, 17. 17 books. And so they have plenty of source material to work from. They take you to mid-Paris. You're talking about the Louvre. You've got some beautiful scenery. You get kind of, again, I'll compare it to Sherlock in that, remember the um, third episode of the original... The first season? First season, yes. Where they break into a museum? That was the second episode, but yeah. <laughs> okay, well, that's why you're here. So in this one, we're talking about the Louvre itself. That houses the Mona Lisa. It has the, we see the wedding feast at Cana in the background. You obviously have this fake piece of jewelry, the queen's ne- necklace, which is the centerpiece for this episode. Mm-hmm. It's a heist episode. So does it, so does it focus mostly on the heist, the aftermath before like both? Well, we get the episode through the eyes of this janitor named Luis Perenna, and he works at the Louvre. And then later on, we learn his name is Paul Sir Nine, right? Mm-hmm. And he is a multi-millionaire in euros. Uh, and he owns a company called Nanobay. And then we learn that he's also named Asan. And he's, uh, he's keep giving him names. Well, basically, he's a master of disguise. Right. We do learn his actual identity through flashbacks and also because we meet his family. And, and it's Omar Sai that you're talking about, right? Omar Sai is the actor's, the real, actor's name. real name. yeah. Yes. And he's from The Untouchables, so I recognized him from that, where he plays sort of a, a rough but suave character at the same time. He's a really good person to get in your show. I was like, going to I, ask. I feel like they had to pull some strings to get him in it. Well, yeah, because the whole entire... Our scene... Uh, Loopman has been around for the longest time, ever since 1905. It's probably more popular to people who like re- read France. the original French yes, version. Yeah, it's probably their equivalent. Uh, what would you compare it to? James here, Bond, like that's yeah. 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 And he's uh, known as like a gentleman uh, thief. And well, that's the that's... name. That's the name of the first book. It's called the Gentleman Burglar, and that's cause... also his occupation. Yeah, you get a lot of information on Arsene Lupin. He's a lone wolf, he's a disguiser, he's untrustworthy, he can do bait and switches, he's a thief. And it all comes back to Hassan's childhood because he learns, he comes from a family, his father and him travel from Africa to become, his father is a uh, chauffeur Mm -hmm. of a wealthy individual in France and his father is a good guy. Is and that wealthy individual, is, does he do something, like, bad, or is he, like, outlawish? I feel like... No, he's the story. original owner, though, of the Queen's Necklace, which happens to oh, be okay. the Queen, as in Mary Antoinette, someone who I was familiar with, not because of history's sake, but also because of that Doctor Who's... Um, sorry, Doctor Who episode, The Girl in the Fireplace. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, where he meets her, and they have a love affair. That was, like, my favorite one, yeah. <laughs> Apparently, she had a necklace, very famous... This wealthy couple owns it in France in the middle of the 1990s. The father is a chauffeur for the family. At one time or another, the wife says that the chauffeur may take one of the books from the bookcase because he's a nice chauffeur. And he chooses one for his kid. So it's a gift. Yes. And it happens to be... Uh, Lupin. the gentleman burglar that's actually very closely related to what actually happened omar sai did read the lupin books when he was a kid and -hmm. then he said that he wasn't a big fan of them until he did research for the role and really understood the character more 
Mm-hmm. There's a lot of books that I read as a kid that I didn't appreciate, especially the ones that schools make you read. Like they may be classics, but unless you're reading them because you want to, it's kind of forced upon you to like understand the plot and you, you, yeah, and you have just to try do, to answer the questions. You have to do, yeah, reading summaries and log lines and yeah. So what ends up happening is the father is falsely accused of stealing this necklace because it goes missing. And I think the wife had something to do with that, but she didn't mean to pin it on the chauffeur. Anyways, the chauffeur goes to jail where he is found hanged. But at the same time, it seems like someone had murdered him and the son is left on his own. He finds the book that his father was going to give him. And I think he sort of bases his life off that. But we don't really get that reveal until the end. The flashbacks kind of occur sporadically throughout the episode. And in the case of what the action of the episode would be, it is this heist, which is he knows that the necklace has been found and put back together and is being sold by auction at the Louvre on one particular night. So as a janitor, he has the right in on how to get in and out of the place without uh, raising any red flags or, or going through security. This reminds me a lot of Logan, where it's like in Logan, there were actual Logan, comic... Logan, the, the, the Wolverine movie? Yeah, the Wolverine movie, because like in Logan, there were actual comic books with the X-Men, and this is like oh, an because actual... they introduced the material yeah. within itself. Right, yeah, almost like breaking the fourth wall. Yeah, I can see how you say that, but he even uses uh, the pseudonym um, Paul Cernine, which I had mentioned about being a wealthy businessman. Mm-hmm. Um, he created his own Wikipedia page, but if you rearrange the letters in that, it actually comes out to be the Arsene Lupin. So was it like the Barney Stinson thing from How I Met Your Mother where he like... Yeah, all his identities are very specific to this Arsene Lupin character. And so much so that we learn by the end of the episode that he's not even a janitor. Um, he... (laughs) No, he's a really rich dude. He's like Batman. He lives right outside Paris, like with a great view. And what he did weeks earlier when he found out about the necklace being at the Louvre was he got a job as a janitor, got himself looking roughed up. Then he, this is, this is the most impossible part. And there are parts with that I could nitpick in the show. And it mostly has to do with his gang that he ends up like putting together. They have some directors that have done some pretty out there stuff, but go ahead. Well, it's not that they did anything out there. It was just the logic of it. That didn't make too much sense. He goes and gets in trouble by like um, borrowing a thousand dollars or a thousand euros from a gang and they demand interest of like 10% and they want their money back. And he blows them off, but then he goes back to them and says, I don't have the money, but I have this plot to get millions of euros through thieving this necklace. And they're about to throw him off the roof. But then they just all jump on board with it, even though he, Wait, again, this is like a tiny group of like, there's like three people here and they're all just part of this kind of like small mob like this. But how did they, how did he convince them? Right he was before? just like, I've got this full plan, this full PowerPoint right here. And then he pulls out <laughs> the PowerPoint and he's like, you'll be the driver and you'll be the tough guy and you'll be the one who knocks him out. And these guys don't even know how to use chloroform because later on in the episode, he literally, they're, they're posting as janitors as well. And it's weird because no one recognizes that these guys aren't normal janitors there. Yeah, people there, yeah, usually. Yeah, and they, they bring in the chloroform through the cleaning materials. And when they get to the point where they need to knock out the guards to steal the uniforms, they just start spritzing them with it. And they're like, it's not working. <laughs> it's not working. These are like professional gangbangers. Like, I don't understand how they wouldn't understand how Amateurs, chloroform works. Yeah. It, yeah, it's it, it was supposed to be funny. It is in a way. Later on, the driver literally kind of baby drivers. He he ends up 
bringing a Ferrari to the scene to try to like wheel them out right. and immediately crashes into, and the Louvre is a really famous place, but that backwards triangle, like the reverse triangle right, that's yeah. underneath it, it just slams right into it. I felt like I was watching the Da Vinci Code <laughs> and then they get caught. They tried to double cross um, Omar Sy's character. Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah, because they felt that he was trying to double cross them, which he was because he ended up doing a bait and switch with the necklace <laughs> and I have to get back into this part of the plot now. He goes in while they're doing this heist. He convinces them to do all the dirty Sorry, work. I, I need to ask, like, really fast. Is this um kind of like the Almost Paradise where they do the rewind thing? Is it flashy editing? Is it that type of thing? You mean, like, are there lens flares and, like, cheesy kind of, oh, we're in the past right now filter? Yeah, like, they introduce a character and then you suddenly see, it, like, the background go red and it, like, says the name of the character this side. Or no, something. this was directed and they had special effects enough where you literally had him as a janitor rolling out the red carpet in front of the Louvre. And then they kind of keep the shot and move it away from him for a second. And then suddenly he's back, but he's walking the red carpet as this rich dude uh. in character. And this is the part of the show where it kind of is like it takes your unbelievable premise and takes it to another level because he walks in there. He has an invitation, first of all. So to get one of those, it's pretty exclusive. Everybody knows each other there. It's like a rich Davos type. Yeah, like you need to have something attached to your name in order to get one Exactly. So when he starts bidding and everybody is known by name, I don't know how he has a seat reserved for himself, but it shows in the backflash that he's made himself a Wikipedia page. He's put his worth near 600 million euros, like I said earlier, that he owns this cell phone company. And it has a f- his picture on the Wikipedia page. So you're saying he's the one that made it? Yes. So he's like a tech genius then? Well, in order to get included in the Wikipedia article to begin with, like you could see that there were references there. So he must have also right. made <laughs> fake articles about himself to then. And, and the biggest pro- problem with that is that at the end, when they sort of realize they've been heisted and that the necklace is free and they kind of come to suspect him there's one detective in particular who realizes it's just like the book and he kind of looks at the book and he's like wait these names are way too similar (laughs) he put this on the internet right his face yeah right he photoshopped his face onto the internet they can look that up right and if he's if he's relatively like well known because he is rich in real life and he lives in the city You'd think it wouldn't be too hard to track down this dude. And that also goes against kind of what the books were about, which was Lupin was supposed to be this incredibly, like, cut-off person. Like, when you read a book, you weren't supposed to know if he was the narrator, if he was just, like, a side character. Like, you weren't supposed to know at all. Well, I think they did a good job at the beginning of the show introducing him as a janitor and kind of struggling to make his alimony payments to his wife, which later on you realize his wife is probably also super rich. His ex-wife, sorry. Uh, he has a kid of his, his own, and he, at the end of the episode, gives him the book. He's, that a he, he, he's a teen, right? The kid? Yes, the kid is a teen, and obviously he sort of wants him to follow in his footsteps, but not to the level of, like, I want you to go to jail for me or anything. Really fast, did you watch, you watch the actual version, not the dub, right? Yeah, I watched the French version. I read the subtitles. Back in 1900s, um, Maurice LeBlanc, who was the one that created the character, uh, he was kind of trying to do a different type of detective novel. Nowadays, it's pretty cliche to have kind of the anti-hero-esque person, but back then, that's what made the book so yeah, popular. Yeah, where he gets away with the money and right. the f- and the fame of the experience and everything. But did you oh, find... Oh, sorry, last thing. So the other thing that ticked me off was that he the people crash his his cronies or whatever they crash into the um uh louvre again and they get caught 
and they get caught with the fake necklace that they had been tricked by him right. into yeah. giving. But they also have a ton of information on him to to give out. Like so he they, was yeah. still in the building. They had knocked him Maybe out almost he's... in a way. They zip tied him to the floor. When they when the cops caught him, the cops let him go. And the, those guys, I don't know why they wouldn't be squealing right at the start. Like that guy's part of well, it. Well, did he seem intimidating at all? I know he was supposed to be suave. No, but... they knocked him out uh, and, and double crossed him. So they, they he, I mean, these are. Like, one of them's a big dude. And I just didn't understand why they wouldn't be spilling their guts about everything they know about this guy. That makes sense. In fact, um... So there are plot holes in this story, but you will still enjoy the episode. Yeah, with the U.S., it seems to have been doing pretty well, and viewership numbers have been going great for it as well. The France, like, they've had some problem with it. They say that's too predictable, and there are loopholes, like you're stating. I kind of want to go back to what I was talking about earlier. I know that um, he was really kind of the first character to do this, but did the character seem cliche at all? Omar Sy does a good job. I don't know what what you mean by cliche. Like, I mean, you know, did he have... Normal. Like, you expected the... What's the Kevin Spacey character? Yeah, you expect the Kaiser Soze twist that accompanies the, like, ending of this because they're giving you information throughout that's following the main character. And you're like, okay, you're learning that he is... A, his identity keeps changing, so that's first red flag. But B, you also get the full breakdown at the end. I know so. he probably wasn't as... It wasn't as intricate, but was he kind of like the professor from Money Heist where yes. he had every plan planned yeah, but out? Yeah, instead like, of Money Heist where, it, and also it was influenced by his father. Remember mm-hmm. in Money Heist, like he finds out that his father was a bank robber and he had this perfect plan right. and then he spends years and years crafting it yeah. to make sure. And the nice thing about the first two seasons of Money Heist is it plays out like you were like, well, that, that actually kind of ticks off yeah. the right boxes and they didn't really make the plot holes that big. Not like the later seasons. Yeah, season three and four. But... With this one, it was like he found out about that necklace, and two weeks later, he's got a job there. He's and, and the, the way they show him getting the job is that he just sees um, that the lady who he's getting the interview with is from a certain place, mm-hmm. and he pretends to be from there too. You mentioned the flashbacks a couple times. Did they actually serve the story, or were they just there to kind of pad the runtime? No, it gives you a good again his characterization and the way you he's I guess dynamic. It, it makes sense. Yeah, he's fine. The show doesn't sound too bleak, but I know that... Well, I know I told you that it had the baby driver scene in it. Like, literally, they were doing that for humor. But if you do go to France, there's, like, a ton of Bugattis around. Like, people just walk around taking pictures of the really nice cars on the streets, and they don't have a problem with it. And even Omar Sy said that he was, when he was in uh, the Louvre, that's how you pronounce it right, he uh, was with the Mona Lisa for, like, 20 minutes, and it was just very surreal to him. It's the first shot that you really get in the show after he goes through security and then looking at the Mona Lisa. Yeah, they show it's like, wow, this is is pretty expensive (laughs) shooting, like, to get that right. Yeah, they shot that uh, scene overnight. Um, It's only going to be five episodes for part one of the season. Yeah, again, like Sherlock. Part two has not been announced yet, but just from the viewership numbers, it seems like it's probably going to get it. Uh, I this character in and of itself has actually turned more childish. Like it's gone for a child target audience. Uh, so Wait, far, so you, that you mean like it's it's he's become tamer. Like over a full CGI animated movie it was released in Japan. That was a kids movie that dealt with his character. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I, it's like Batman. Batman goes through cycles where he starts off in the uh, in the comic books as being this like dark knight, mm-hmm. and then he turns into Adam West, and then now he's back to Christopher Nolan. I don't think yeah I don't, he's. Started out serious, like there was a 1932 black and white movie that um 
John Barrymore starting. Uh, but I have a little game. Remember, what, sorry, before we get into the game, um, remember when James Bond was up for the the next one? Because Dan, whatever. Yeah, Daniel, uh, Daniel Craig. Yeah, Daniel Craig is playing him currently still, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, coming out with for his one last more, movie. Yeah. And they thought that Idris Elba might be one of the people in the running to right. play him. Yeah, this he does kind of give off that vibe. Like that's what he's trying to do. All right. Well, there, there's the uh, the three truths and a lie game. Okay. Uh, so I have to guess the the um, lie. The lie. Yeah. So there was a magna based around Arsene Lupin's grandson's character. That's one of them. In twenty, there was a what? A manga. The the. A manga. Manga, yeah. Like the so, J- I, I have trouble Japanese. pronouncing that, yeah. Okay. Um, in 2018, a reboot film was uh, scheduled, and right before they started filming, the director, Jean-Paul Salome, got word that this series was being made, and so it was held indefinitely off. The film never came to be. There's been multiple crossovers between Arsene Lupin and Sherlock Holmes, and uh, there he was originally called Arsene Lopin until a politician of the same name protested. Okay, I think it's one of the last two. Um, I think it would be cool if there was a, a collaboration between Holmes, but there, but because I, I don't know. I guess I'll say it's the the politician <laughs> one. I did a good job. No, it was um, it was the 2018 reboot film. Like the, oh, okay. there wasn't actually there was a film that came out in 2004. So there have been multiple crossovers between Sherlock Holmes and this character. So much so there was even a video game crossover that they had. Um, but so in, are they like two Inspector Gadgets like going after each actually, other? Actually, Inspector Gadget was based off of this character. What was what happened was I, the, the reason mi- I sort of thought that was because the books, um, if you, they have the picture of the book mm-hmm. cover and it has like the guy with the monocle glass and that kind of looks a yeah, little bit like the cartoon. That's also Inspector the Gadget. that's also the like picture that they have on Wikipedia. But the um, mango was true and it was it was really big. Yeah, and, and then they made a true. they made a. Um, television series off of it called and Peach. then they, <laughs> yeah definitely. then they brought it over to america and wanted to do it here but they couldn't get the copyright so then they were like you know what we've gone too far with this thing let's just make inspector gadget and make it really funny and then the people See, who worked on this manga decided to work on Inspector. so why gadget. make this character if they're going to change it to inspector gadget and make that the kid version then why make this kid character like more family friendly i think just the books are family friendly like i said oh, okay. omar sai is someone who read him as a kid um it's created by george k who has worked on things like criminal uh and killing eve and star trek yeah and then there's also no, george takai uh, i was oh, a joke yeah i knew <laughs> Okay. Well, and then there was Lois Leterrier. The reason I asked about the flashy editing was because um, they worked on Now You See Me, uh, and they've directed some episodes. So I was wondering if you got that same type of thing. I think you kind of did, right? Yeah, I, it was good camera work. Um, it was funny, though, when they showed his apartment, and they tried to make him seem really, like, wealthy. Right. Like, he had a, enough to afford everything. He had a ton of suits. The apartment was still pretty small because he's living in Paris. So it wasn't, like, this giant mansion or anything. And then he also had, like, a Peloton in his in his yeah room or whatever <laughs> so you can work out yeah the show has gotten pretty uh good reviews across the board 7.8 out of imdb um most of the episodes are like eights i think the last the first four episodes are eights and then the last one is like an 8.2 is is it just a different mystery every single time that he's responsible for or does he ever try to hunt down like a bad person i know in the books it's sometimes that he goes against um some villains here but i think for the most part season one just kind of deals with the heist so just so. five separate times that he gets rich <laughs> yeah, I mean. Okay, yeah, that's cool, but I thought that there would be some elements from this episode that would cross over, like that would be an arc, because, for instance, he kisses the girl 
of the um, family that his father worked for. Yeah. And so I thought that maybe she would no, be a recurring I, I, character. I think, I, I think there is a story arc. I don't think it's just five episodes. And it might episodes. be because of this necklace thing that keeps following him or something. Do, does he ever get caught? Uh, not from what I agree. I didn't see any stories about that. I know that um, people are somewhat mad at the show because they feel like the stories sometimes deal a lot with grief. Like, there are uh, some instances in which they don't feel like the character has ever been given fair justice because there's a lot of drama mystery that goes into the books. And, like I said, sometimes it features grief and they don't feel like this TV show and, like, the movies or the Yeah, the closest to grief you got was the father's storyline and feeling like... It was like a Black Panther storyline where the father was killed and it didn't really seem like it was his fault. I know that in Black Panther... it was the other way around. The, the, the dad's character was bad, right? Or something was, like, turning... The dad's character of Black Panther killed um, T'Challa, I think that's what his name was, of the father there. Yeah, Michael B. Jordan's father, dad. Yeah. But he was, like, a good guy to Michael B. Jordan. This, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm drawing a comparison. I guess that's too far of a reach. But, yeah, go ahead. The Ron Tomato score is 100%, and the audience score is an 85%. Uh, Lupin the Third is actually a famous cartoon. There's been a lot of cartoons made. So off of when this you character. said Lupin the Third, you mean like the grandson, right? Yeah. And okay. It was made back in 1970, 1977 to 1980, and got good reviews. Some reviews for this show have been Refinery29 writer Natalie Moore and stated, "There's no reason not to like this show." Robert Daniels of RogerEbert.com calls this an addictive, clever puzzle that combines elements from Luther, Sherlock Holmes, and Inside Man for an engrossing experience. I also saw reviews that compared this to Bodyguard. Is that for comparison? Um, yeah, I guess I can see that because Bodyguard is also Netflix, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, there were two instances where one was when the police stopped the getaway car Mm -hmm. and had him roll down his window and then said to him, like, turn off your car. You're trying to protect the planet here. I like that one. Yeah. And then one I wasn't like as crazy about was the scene I was talking about where they introduce him as a kid and she like kisses him. She's like, is it... (laughs) Is it true what they say about black people that they can't swim and then he can't swim? Yeah, <laughs> like, that's... It was weird. <laughs> Did the kid do a good job acting as? Well, him? she said, "If you can swim here, then I'll give you a kiss." And then that's he like really, <laughs> really struggled, and then he got there, and she did it. But it was just an odd scene. Yeah, I can't imagine. Um, from what I know, uh, it gets the threat gets bigger as you go more and more into the episodes. Or Marcia even said, "The more he's in danger, um, referring to Lupin, the more he's going to be calm. But when it comes to his family, he cannot hide those feelings. He cannot be someone else. He cannot play." So I predict that something's going to there's going to be some type of villain that like kidnaps his family or does something by the end or of figures it. out his identity he is not using enough guard with his face like i don't know why he thinks that he again posted it on the internet the internet anybody can I, look it up i agree with you the person who the sorry the person he sold it to an auction because he won the auction by bidding 60 million euros for this mm-hmm. thing and the person to, to corroborate that he could actually buy it looked at his wikipedia page so he knows what that the guy had a Wikipedia page. He could tell the police officers that, and Maybe. the police could then find out. Because I was going to say, for the sake of the show, they might not just find an easy way to do that, because they might want to be like, oh, that's too easy a way. But from what you're saying, that could be a scenario that they do. They definitely make it seem like the police officer, this detective that they introduce, I'm trying to find his name, and I know, Guedria. Um, he warns the captain at one point to not let anybody, or that, that I said that this seemed like the Arsene Lupin type of case. Um, I think he's going to be a continual character as well, kind of in the background. And uh, another reason is because the EU enforces part of Netflix production in Europe, so they make local content there. And so you should be seeing probably in the near future more uh, 
like EU shows taking place. I thought you were going to say some more famous people in the show. What if they included the other guy from The Untouchables or whatever? Oh, the the guy who was in a wheelchair? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he, he was, like, like playing a, a villain or something. <laughs> yeah. Or this could be, like, a prequel. Maybe the maybe this is one of those stories and he just took the job. Right. Pretending then, to be, like, uh, on welfare or whatever, like he is in the movie. And it actually yeah, was just trying movie, to steal from the guy. In the movie, he's, like, an outlaw, right? Or yeah, and he like does that. at one point, I think, think about stealing from the dude, but then decides not to. So maybe this is that was like the end of our scene loop, and when he decided to like take the stand-up career or whatever. <laughs> I think we've just solved the Untouchables. All right, that's all we have for this episode. Thanks for listening. That's today's episode. We'll see you on the next one. Bye. Bye.